Hi friends, welcome to the Mobile Bev Pros podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing mobile bar professionals with the information they need to succeed. I'm your host and fellow mobile bar owner, Sarah Murphy. Each episode, I'll be bringing you interviews, knowledge, anecdotes, or opinions with the goal of assisting you in building a profitable, sustainable, and scalable mobile bar business that will support the lifestyle you dream of. I'm excited for today's episode, so let's get started. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we are talking to Rhonda Kamen. Is that how you say your name, Rhonda? Kamen. Yeah, Kamen. Awesome. We're speaking with Rhonda Kamen today. She is uh, multi-passionate. She has... <laughs> she has a number of different businesses. She has Bar Seats, which is her mobile bartending company. She has Perfectly Cordial, which is her delicious um, mixer company. Oh, she's showing me a picture. I love it. Is that the new strawberry Thai basil? Yes. I'm I cannot to wait it. to try that one. I'm trying to do it like the vloggers do. Hold on. This is this is when when being mature. See how they always do it with the hand. I have no idea why, but. There you yeah. go. Okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> Looks awesome. And she's also co-owner of Swig Culture, which is our annual mobile bar industry conference, which we just had this past February, um, which was so much fun. And we are actually in the midst of planning 2021s. Very exciting. And today we're talking about the state of the union, just the bar industry in general, COVID has wrecked the world as we know it, including that of the bar world. And so today we're just going to talk it out. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Where should we start? I have a lot to say. Yeah. Where should we start? Well, we can start with this. Mobile bar owners, you are not alone. The world is upside down and you are not the only person that's saying, where are the events? Revenue is drying up. What in the holy hell are we going to do? It's the whole industry. It's the entire food and beverage industry. So I'm here to tell you, you're not alone. At least we're not alone. I, I think everyone can take heart in that the struggle is real for everybody. Mm-hmm. But where mm-hmm. do we go from here? Well, I have been on lots of Zooms, lots of meetings, lots of think tanks. Lots of everything with a large number of people in the bar industry. Here in Nashville, we got double hit. We had a tornado, which kind of shut everything down. And then right when we were on the cusp of like saying, okay, we've kind of overcome a little bit, then COVID hit and it was a double whammy. So Nashville is very unique in that we've dealt with a lot of tragedy. really, really back to back. So I'm also on the board here for the Nashville USDG. I'm also on the board for the Nashville Bartenders Foundation. And I've been working really closely with all of those organizations on how do we rebuild the hospitality industry and how it affected us. I was on a call today with a number of people from different brands, some of the owners of like liquor.com, Tobin, who's out of Nevada, uh, who I hope will come down for SWIG. He's kind of helped everyone. Uh, I actually was on the bar and club convention um, and I was on a panel with the people from Marriott. And also it was me, Marriott. Oh, and the person who created Partender which was freaking amazing. However, one of the things that we all agreed upon was we have to not do the same things that we were doing before because they didn't work. It never did. The industry was hanging on by the thread at all times. Right. Like the cat, (laughs) you know, the cat, (laughs) that was the industry. And so it's really about rebuilding the right way And I have been a big advocate of additional revenue streams. Oh, absolutely. And it's so amazing, Sarah, to hear people who own three and four brick and mortar bars. And when you talk to them about additional revenue streams, they're like, what? What you talking about? Who? I got to do what? What? And I was like, dude, this, this is not the time for just to just sell a Jack and Coke. This is the time for 
you to think about how are you going to pay your employees? How are you going to keep the lights on? And what can you provide to the customer? Yeah, I think the old way is if you want additional revenue streams, you open up another location, right? But what happens when it's not a single unit being damaged with the tornado or something that's local to that particular community? What happens when the entire industry goes down? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and we saw that. So I'm a little, okay, so this is why me and Sarah, we mesh, okay? We're, we're literally yin and yang, okay? <laughs> and anyone who saw me at SWIG, at SWIG Culture, you know that I told everyone this. Sarah does weddings. I don't. <laughs> I am That's not right. your wedding bartender, okay? <laughs> I will even, and, and, and quite as a cap, I work for Sarah. Like yeah, if that's Sarah true. Needs, if Sarah needs someone, I, I, I'm here to pop your bottle. That's right. I don't want your wedding. That's Sarah's ministry, not mine. <laughs> but one of the things that I have been very successful with, with a bar seat, is we quickly pivoted that into a corporate education component. So we were already doing corporate bartending, but we, we just pivoted over to corporate education, corporate cocktail classes, right. corporate happy hours. I'm telling bartenders and, and bar owners, maybe it's time for you to do a small, a small bar book of your favorite recipes. So custom, get your customers involved, customer favorites. So that if they come in, if they if they feel froggy and they want to mask up for tacos and tequila, well, not only sell them their tacos and their margarita, but sell them a coaster, a punch card, a loyalty card, a pair of socks. Do what you got to do to get the revenue in. Um, Yeah. Be creative. Right. Like that's I think that's what I love most about what. With the mobile bar industry, I mean, not everyone in the mobile bar industry is doing it right. I mean, you've, you've heard me lament at how many mobile bar owners have gone rogue and started doing illegal like side hustles just to bring in the money. It, yeah. It's not great for the industry. It really isn't, I promise. But I've seen some really amazing things, anywhere from virtual cocktail classes to mm-hmm. cocktail kits to little micro weddings where they're dropping off at people's houses, like mm-hmm. really, really pivoting in a way that it, like, this is why entrepreneurs are the way they are, right? Like we do things yeah. that are otherwise impossible because we get inspired and we figure out ways around things. And I hadn't ever thought about that, Rhonda, but I can, how fun would it be if you have a favorite restaurant? I have one here in Nashville. If I walked in to get my takeout and they're like, Hey, for an extra five bucks, 10 bucks, 15 bucks, I don't care. You put an, a price on it. I will feature your favorite cocktail recipe in our restaurant regulars book. Right. Uh-huh. And then you get to be a participant in something and you get to support a, a business that you already really love. And you get to be a part of them. And that's just like, nope, who, who's out there thinking like that? Why aren't they thinking like that? It was, it was funny because the people that there's a team from, from Marriott that goes and just opens up resorts, they open up hotels and they really focus on the restaurant and bar concepts on, on site. And they were, they were debating. I tell you no lie. They were about to invest money in igloos. Oh, yes. COVID. Okay. I, I said, did you miss the memo? It's summer. <laughs> Little greenhouses. <laughs> Little yeah, sweat, like, sweatshops. <laughs> yeah. Hot, <laughs> hot yoga, hot <laughs> dining. Like who in the how told you that that was a good idea. And these were the people from Marriott, but that's the thing. That's the beauty of the mobile bar industry is that we are agile. Okay. Because we're not tied to a brick and mortar. So we can pivot quickly and we can pivot more quickly than our brick and owner counterpart. Right. And we have an additional skill set where we already are dealing with customer service. We're already multitasking. We're already thinking out the box. We're already thinking about OPEX and what's going to margin because our margins can go from sugar to shit real quick. 
but it only takes one bad event, one event where you cleared maybe a hundred dollars and got a couple extra bunions on your feet before you go back and you look at how much you were charging and you're able to make that quick change, that quick pivot to increase margins. So that's one thing in the mobile bar industry is I want to really empower people and encourage people think outside the box. Yeah. This is not a time to, when I see a, when I see a trailer being sold or a rig being sold, I'm like, why? Like, this is not the end. It's not. Yeah. I had this conversation with someone who reached out to me earlier today and he's a little nervous because he wants to get into the industry, but as like a, a dry hire, he wants the rig, but he's like, I'm scared to buy one of these used rigs because to me, I'm scared it might be indicative of the industry kind of going down the tube. And my response to that is it's the, it, there's depth there. But first of all, I think a lot of people get into the mobile bar industry because they think it's cute, easy, mm-hmm. and fun, which it can be all of those things. But what they fail to consider is the financial investment on the front end, the hard work, the heavy manual labor and the hustle that it'll take before you even book that first event. And it's not always gangbusters straight out of the the shoot. Like sometimes there's there's a significant nine month ramp time before you get any sort of regular events booked, right? And so you you can't like quit your job and start a mobile bar. Like (laughs) you can, people have done it. It's not the best idea just because it's an industry that takes, you can't just open your doors because you're mobile, right? You can't just like, you're not on the corner of some busy throughway where it's like location, location, location. You can't just pop yourself up, open the doors and hold a grand opening party and expect everyone to run in because that's just not how mobile bars work. And so I think that people get into it because they're super excited, but then they get out six, eight months in, they're like, I'm not booking as much as I, I should be, or I need to be. And they kind of lose hope. And then even in year one, one and a half, they're, they're like, look, I'm booking more now, but I'm still not booking enough to make my initial investment worth it. And so they lose their, their faith and they're like, it's easier just to go work for some dude down the road. And then I've got benefits and a salary and, and all of those things. Right. And so well, yeah, we, and we see how people. Long, how that, long was it before you, because you're working your corporate job for how long? Oh my gosh. 18 months. I worked, <laughs> I worked my side hustle for 18 months or I worked my main job and then bar Magnolia as a side hustle for 18 months. And, and even then, I mean, I had broken a hundred thousand dollars top line by that point, but the expenses were so high that I still wasn't like making tons of profit. It wasn't paying my six figure salary. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, there's a leap of faith that went into it, but I think that I just think that there's this kind of glaze when you see that camper or you see that rig and you're like, woo, how pretty, how fun would it be to like spend every weekend at people's weddings? Like, wouldn't Mm -hmm. that be great? That's how I want to live my life. And it is fun. It's a ton of fun, but the people just need to be realistic about what it takes to really be successful in this industry, which is ever more competitive. I think all the time, it's not impossible. It's very possible to make great money and live a lifestyle that allows you to pick your kids up from school and take vacations. And like, as a mom, being a mobile bar owner provided me with a quality of life working for the man never did, Yeah, but it's not easy, right? Like you have to be dedicated to it. And then right now the industry is getting squeezed a little bit. And so those that like really aren't dedicated to it are bailing. That doesn't mean the industry isn't viable. It just means that we got to be a little scrappy. And this is, a, this is the funny thing. If there still was no COVID, if COVID wasn't an issue, the new bartenders, the new mobile bar owners, they would still have, it would still be slow. Right. You have to build up. I started bar seat in 2015 and I'm still working my corporate job yep. um, because I love it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I love it. But I am getting to that point. I remember, I remember like it was yesterday. You were like, hey guys, I got to make a decision. I'm either going to, Something's got to give. Yes. And, and I'm almost to that point. Like, I'm almost there. Trust me. But even if there wasn't COVID, if you're fresh out the gate, it's, it wasn't going, your cup was not going to run it over with, with events. Mm. Uh, you were still going to have to build. And 
that's right now, COVID, because of COVID and because things are so slow, it is a good opportunity for new mobile bar owners to kind of get their foundation more shored up. You know? Yes. Amen to that. I mean, for anybody who's listening and you're just starting your business, there are so much that can be done to ramp so that when the doors do open, you're like gushing out the gate, right? Like a lot of times when you start your, your mobile bar, you start any business and you're just kind of like, okay, I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to do it. You're you're missing, (laughs) you're missing those, (laughs) you're missing those foundational blocks that really build the scalability and longevity and foundation for that long-term growth and success. And so what happens is you find yourself getting to this point where you're super busy, but you haven't put the right systems in place. And so while you're super busy, you're also having to build those systems and it's that they're called growing pains. That's basically what I call them. I get calls all the time from mobile bar owners. Like I'm experiencing this issue. I'm like, no problem. We can fix this with systems. You can do that before you get to that point. You don't have to wait till it gets so crazy that you're having to, to kind of what, what, when I, uh, used to work in corporate, we used to call it rebuild the plane while in flight. And nobody should be rebuilding any plane while it's in flight. And, that's, right. that, and that's what happened to the food and beverage and the hospitality industry. We kept fixing the plane while it was in flight and no one had the proper systems. Yeah, you got that POS, but you have no other systems. So when the plane was like, I can't take it anymore, we can't fix this, we got to land. Nobody knew what, like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? So for new mobile bar owners, this is a time to get your systems in place because this is the other juxtaposition of it, okay? I own Perfectly Cordial also. And with any business, you go, there is a level that you get to where you go from doing nothing to doing everything. And if your systems are not in place, then when you actually get to the point where people are trying to book you, it's going to be a shit show because your systems are not in place. And what you end up doing is you end up risking your reputation, bad reviews, losing money, losing customers. It can go, it can just not be cute at all. And it's only because you just didn't have the systems in place. Right. And what does that look like? One example would be a lead funnel. If someone reaches out, do you know exactly what the funnel is that you're like when you're sending them the any questions email, when you're sending them, do you have, do you need more time? Like when are you, because if you can't get that first few steps, every time someone reaches out, it's going to look different, right? If someone books you, then what do you know? Do you have that documented? What happens first? What happens second? What, at what intervals are you doing all of those things? Cause if uh-huh. someone asks, Hey, do you do a cocktail tasting? And you say, yeah, sure. And they're like, what, how does that work? What does that look like? And you're just like, yeah, we just kind of schedule a time and show up with a bunch of booze. And then we just chat and we shake some things out. Then I mean, how, how scalable is that? Right. But it's not. if you, t- if you can sit there and be like, Oh, about 60 days out from your event, I'm going to send you a questionnaire. You're going to fill it out. Then I'm going to take that preferences. And I'm going to build a, a custom tailored cocktail menu, about six different cocktails. I'll show up. We'll shake it up. You guys can pick two, then we'll whatever. If you get those systems down, then when you end up with 30 weddings in a month, there isn't any like, Oh gosh, what am I doing? Right because you're just doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing. And if this is the thing, as long as you keep working at it, as long as you stay in the business, you will get to a point where you're going to have 30 weddings in one oh, month. Yes. It, it just, it happens. You just have to stay consistent. Right. Um, just stay consistent. There was a point where, I don't know, it was just like one year I went from doing one event a month to doing one event every weekend. To the point where I was got started telling people, no, I can't do it. Find somebody else. But um, that's the thing. Really good example. Okay, really good example. Where because I didn't have my system in place, it cost me money. So when I first started perfectly cordial, I was already deal, dealing with bar seat. Okay, so it's it's enough just to have systems for bar seat. These are two separate companies. Okay, so I would get an order, and I was not printing out the invoice and the order 
for the packing. I was the pack. I was not printing out a packing slip. Mm. I had a customer in Memphis. I she ordered nine bottles. Okay, nine bottles. That's a lot of products. A lot of shipping. That's a lot of packaging. That's a lot of handling. I send everything off. However, I sent the wrong stuff off. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> she was like, "Got my package." delicious this is not what i ordered do you know because i had i i messed up and it's about customer service i had to resend her the right stuff for free because she was like well i can mail this back to you ma'am you're not gonna mail that back to me that's like going back to kroger with a with a half a pack of chicken no i'm good <laughs> keep it keep it it was my mistake however that mistake cost me like a hundred and twenty five dollars since then we now print out packing slips and we double check them totally it was just i just didn't have the processes in place yeah and i think you could you could macro that or micro that like i can't tell you how many times i've gone through in the early days when i was like oh this event has ginger beer on it that means i gotta run to kroger because i didn't get it from empire which is wholesale. I got to run to Kroger and I spent four times as much for ginger beer Kroger, but you just got to eat it. Right. Or mm-hmm. if you, you screw up a calculation on, on ordering something and you bring too little, and then you're having to leave in the middle of the event. And like, that's a pain in the butt too. So yeah, mm-hmm. systems are everything. And, um, and that's what we're seeing in brick and mortars that the systems were not in place, mm-hmm. uh, that, Revenue, revenue does not have to be razor thin. There are ways if you look at things, you can build a bar menu that maximizes your your revenue and your time. And so this is the time. This is the time. I I will tell you this. I will tell you this. If we come out of this post-COVID and somebody puts a post in the Facebook group, how much should I charge for beer and wine? For four hours, I'm going to come through the phone and I'm going to wring your neck. <laughs> because this is a time when you're slow to kind of put it down on paper and figure out your cost. This is how much I want to make. This is how much time it will take. This is how much a beer costs. Figure it out during this downtime. This yes. is the time. Not in the Facebook group the day before the event. Okay, I'm gonna get off my soapbox. <laughs> I've told you this before. I there's something about the people in this industry who go out there, they launch a business, they hustle the sale, they sell the damn thing, even though they aren't really sure how they're gonna do it, they sell it anyways. I have a ton of respect for that. <laughs> I just do. I I mean, like Yes, yes. You know that you're capable. You know you can figure it out. Go out there and get that money and then figure it out. I love that. Do I do I love the repetition of the same questions over and over and over and over again? No, I, I do think that there's some power in the search bar there, but I do <laughs> I do love that about the people in this industry in that it were kind of like, yeah, we can do that. Sure. But I think this is the time that you, as a mobile bar owner, that you kind of get everything together, get your menus, get your costs, figure out what type of revenue you want to make. Not me, not Sarah. How much revenue do you want to make? And that will determine a lot of things. The second point I want to bring up is that I've been a big advocate of collaboration. Collaboration has literally brought in an additional revenue stream. It's a line item, okay? Collaboration is now a line item on the spreadsheet. Um, I did a pop-up here two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, I I had a friend. She was launching a new ice cream concept. I just happened to know her. I was like, hey, why don't we do a boozy ice cream? I'll give you some perfectly cordial. We'll add, we added gin to it and we called it gin and juice. Um, <laughs> we packaged it up and we did a pop-up at a local cafe. It was like a cafe type of really like 
cool vibe place. And we did it for a couple of hours and everyone made money. Everyone. I made money. I was able to sell my product. The person, my friend Loki, who had the ice cream, she sold out. We sold out in like two and a half hours. The And because we all utilized our social media and our network, it was like packed. I mean, it was not COVID packed, but it was a steady stream of people and they sold like they they sold cocktails. They sold they have a cafe. So everybody bought food. I mean, it was a great day. So collaborations, person, people who are doing really good at that. Set the bar, Kentucky. Those girls are hustling. Love it. I love them. They're hustling. They're <laughs> like, who can we partner with? And that's what you have. That's something that anyone can do. Reach out there. And if you don't have a network, open your mouth and make a network. Find a network. Grow a network. Amen. Get a network. Use your words. There's somebody that you compliment, they compliment you and you compliment them, and you guys can do some things. You got a rig, you know a florist, make it a flower truck. Yes. Both of you, both of you guys work it. Well, let's go out here and make this money. Yes, and, and don't discount the non-alcoholic beverages because mm-hmm. there's a little bit more regulation with this, and so I do invite people to like call their... I mean, I don't know about everywhere, but the health department guy here in Nashville, his name is Steve, Super nice guy. He's very responsive to emails. He's very, I, I, I've talked to him on the phone. Like they're, they're great people. And it's not a ton of work to get like a single day food permit. If you wanted to like do a pop-up bar and do like shaken lemonades or something. Like I, I can charge six bucks for a shaken lemonade. That is literally simple syrup, lemon juice and water guys. It's super easy. There's margins there. You can, you can do the farmer's market. You could do your own little lemonade stand. Like just make sure you get the proper permits and and your business license, but you don't have to be at private events. If private events in your area aren't going down. Dude, farmer's markets are popping right now. You hear me popping. I have, I was supposed to do some farmer's markets and I was like, yeah, I'm not quite there yet. You know, I'm not that COVID secure. However, I have a couple of friends. They're clearing $1,000 a Saturday. Yeah. A Saturday. And to do the math for everybody, that's $52,000 a year. (laughs) That's not bad. So if you, I mean, you have a trailer, if you got a a rig, um, you partner, partner with somebody that makes baked goods. They make turnovers. You do craft sodas, uh, our, our lemonade in Tennessee, CBD is a food, kind of like a food product. Put some CBD in it, dude. Find you, get, you know, get some good quality grade. Right. Most definitely, um, disclaimer, but you can do things like that. You could do sugar-free. You could do iced coffees. That's really popular. Yes. Um, you can do so many things where you're utilizing the skills that you have as a bartender and as a mobile bartender, meaning you're off premise, meaning you never had a brick and mortar, meaning that the farmer's market is a day in a park for you, literally, because it's what you do every day. (laughs) And you partner with somebody in the community and you guys do it. People are out there because they don't have any place else to go. Nowhere else. So yeah, maybe you start doing juices. Get a generator, get a juicer, get, you got Farmer Bill over here, get you a bushel of beets and start making beets. <laughs> I mean, it's people will, people love it. People will pay for it and it's additional revenue stream. And you're not letting your, you're not only are you making money, but you're also streamlining those processes. And trust me, you're going to meet people are going to be like, oh, what else do you guys do? Do you have a card? Follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook. And trust me, there's going to be that one day that somebody who bought your beet juice two years ago is going to say, hey, I'm having this corporate party for Google. Can you do it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. I I think you're right. I think that we've seen a, a bunch of this in the mobile bar world, but we have also seen some hesitation to kind of pivot, which I get, but there's nothing wrong with diversification. Mm -hmm. Do I think you should spread yourself too thin? 
No, I don't think that we should get outside our wheelhouse. I don't think we should start doing things that aren't directly within the realm of what we already do and are capable of. But there are so many things that we as beverage caterers are capable of doing that may not be in the package that we currently have it, but that we could utilize the skills and the resources that we have. And after we had the tornado, I reached out to... High Garden, which is one of my favorite places here. And I mean, I knew that my camper wasn't going to be used because it was what February when that happened. And we d- didn't have any yeah. events booked in February, March with the camper. This is before COVID. And I, I basically said, you guys can have my camper for the next couple of months while you rebuild if you want to do your tea house, but you don't have a rig, right? And uh, they ended up not using it because, well, other things happened. Um, but I mean, we have rigs. Why let them sit there? If you can make it a billboard out there somewhere else, lend it to a brewery, lend it to a venue, lend it to like wherever may get some, some eyeballs on it. Yeah. Free, free advertising. Pretty much, pretty much all the things it's about thinking outside of the box and not thinking that this is the end because it's not. Will the industry pop back? Yes, it will. Uh, will it pop back tomorrow? No, it won't. However, if you hold tight and you you think outside, you get creative. Right. You can you can bring in some some revenue. Absolutely. Yep. And some of that's virtual, right? We're we're seeing some real fun cocktail classes, some engaging. Uh, you you actually you and was it Andrea and uh, Shannon who who just did that educational. Uh, oh yeah, bit. that was good. Yeah, it wasn't a cocktail wasn't class me. per I se. Was just a, I was a class. I was in the class. You were in the I class. Was yeah, I yeah. Was, I was a ticket holder. <laughs> I was like, ah! <laughs> but I love that ingenuity, right? It's it, it's. I think it was talking about history. Um, cocktail history is super fascinating. Mm-hmm. There have been, and there are a number of untapped opportunities where it does come to education, our classes, our virtual cocktail classes, those have been really, really successful. Um, Going out there and networking in your market that you do cocktail classes as Nashville continues to open up like other cities, we can have small gatherings. I do have people booking me for uh, I do bourbon 101. So Mm -hmm. they're booking me for small bourbon education classes. And also the, the, the corporate thing. But even with, and it goes back to processes, okay? So if you are going to do a corporate happy hour or a corporate cocktail class or a virtual cocktail class, guess what? You still need to have processes. Um, you just can't show up on the time, you know, the, time, the start time is seven. You can't just show up at seven and say, hey, guys, we're going to do a class. There's a lot of prep that goes in before that. And there's also things that you have to do to communicate to these business owners because that's what we're seeing. You're, you're still customers. So most definitely go out there and get the processes right. But go out there and start marketing cocktail classes, virtual cocktail classes, maybe a behind the scenes of what, it, what you guys do. People love behind the scenes stuff. Don't ask me why, but they do. That's why um, reality TV is so popular. I guess so. Um, And also collaborations like Airbnb experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to do an experience. I think Sarah, she may still be up there. I don't know. I do not do it any longer, but I did. Yeah. And they've switched it to virtual experiences now. And they haven't, uh, at the moment, they don't have in-person experiences. But if you have something that you can do virtually, apply. They're going to do all the marketing for you. Yeah. Um, There's also Course Horse. There was also another one that came across my my feed yesterday, but it was really weird because they were they had like really good Michelin star chefs, and it was like you did a class for twenty nine dollars. I was like, really? <laughs> you guys are giving it away. That's how bad um, the restaurant industry is right now. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you're right. But there are programs out there where they do the marketing for you, and you just teach the class. But, but there are ways out there to do it. Also, products. People are selling T-shirts. 
Set the Bar Kentucky, they did a really good job of pivoting over to selling syrup at their farmer's market. Okay. And, and I'm always, you know, channel and echo what Sarah does. Call your local health department. Yes. Uh, maybe you should take a food handling class. That yes. Might Please. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Real quick, uh, here's my soapbox. Uh, simple syrups don't qualify anywhere under the cottage food law, right? Can't, the simple syrups, uh, a lot of people are like, oh, simple syrup, cottage food law. Sorry, it, it does. they don't keep that, that well. Um, so they really need to be handled with more process. And uh, you can be better than that. <laughs> have you ever explained what the cottage food law is? No, I honestly, this is uh, not a topic that we've delved very deep into okay. in, the, in the membership yet or the okay. community. Well, the cottage food law are a set of rules and laws for people who make stuff out of their homes. And you tend to see that with like bakers. Yeah, pies. Cookies, yeah, cookies, cakes, pies. Things that tend to be shelf stable, have a longer la- uh, life. And uh, don't once they're cooked, they're good for consumption and you sell it right versus popcorn maybe you know? yeah, yeah yeah versus like a hot sauce or something that's pickled or acidic right. or has you know a syrup or a, something like that where there's bacteria involved if something's wrong in the process that's right juices never with the, the cottage food law Mm-mm. syrups never with the cottage food law and no. so what that means is that if you are in your kitchen making a simple syrup and you are trying to sell it on your instagram chances are you are doing so illegally mm-hmm. and not even, not even just state. Well, I'm pretty sure it's like federally the agriculture, the department of agriculture, I think mm-hmm. oversees that. So, mm-hmm. so like try not to sell your simple syrups from your kitchen, unless you're doing it in your home commercial kitchen Um, because those obviously are inspected by the health department and therefore don't require coverage under the cottage food law. So what we're saying is that if you do make that pivot over to a product, congratulations, just do it correctly. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. I don't think people truly understand how dangerous simple syrups can be. I think that we just... I mean, I have worked at bars where bartenders kept it on the, on the rail. They didn't even realize it needed to be refrigerated. It's not, that's not how that works. Um, and at if all. you use it fast enough, I guess maybe like 24 hours isn't going to kill you, but it's. It'll just make you slightly sick. It'll just, yeah, you <laughs> might, you might make it sick and who wants that? Yeah. But no, so products are ways that I've seen some mobile bars pivoting. Just do it correctly. Do it safely. Look for your local commissary or a shared kitchen space. Yes. It doesn't take a lot of take a lot of money to to have a Department of Ag come by and just check you off. It doesn't take a lot of money at all. It takes more time and more paperwork, but that's another way. And then also product like like a t-shirt or mm. a coasters. Coasters are really cool. I got to tell a lot of restaurants, you know, if you have a recipe book, if you have a loyalty card, if you go out to the farmer's market and you're selling, say, cold brew coffee or mocktails or whatever, think think about a loyalty card where people can come back next Saturday, you punch it, and they come back and you get loyalty. I'm reading, what book am I reading now? Let me show you. It's an oldie but goodie, raving fans. Oh, lovely. Yeah. So it's about customer service and building that brand loyalty where the premise is, do you want, if you only had a hundred raving fans, you're good. They're going to, they're ride or die. Right. They're going to be there. Yeah. And you can do that. You can do that now during this time of COVID. Doing something, just selling coffee or teas or sodas, you can do that and keep them coming back for more. Yeah, I think you hit on a a really, I don't know if you meant to hit on it, but with whatever you do, and I think I've talked about this in the membership before, with whatever you pivot, don't think of this as just until COVID is over because Uh it's going to likely cost you some time and some energy and, and some money to ramp up a new 
revenue stream. So ideally, it's going to be something that you can continue to maintain and grow even after you're doing events again. So whatever you're pivoting to, try and think of something that energizes you enough to keep doing for a while, but also will be relevant after uh-huh. COVID, right? So if you, if you decide that you want to do mocktails or, or craft sodas, like build a following that won't just disappear after COVID. Build the people that will come and visit you no matter what's going on. Or, or if you're going to do a product or something, like, I don't know, maybe maybe not selling uh, COVID masks or something, right? <laughs> yes. Toilet paper, toilet paper and hand sanitizer is not the way to go. <laughs> not, no, that's right. Oh, thankfully that those, uh, those product lines have, have rebounded. There were people selling on the corner they were selling toilet paper. I tell you, no lie. They were selling toilet paper on the side of the corner. They had face masks and they had hand sanitizer. They used to have roses for, for, for like your mom. Now they got, now now they got, got two ply. <laughs> we got two ply for you, boo boo. It's like, what? So yeah, you're right. Stick with something that's going to carry, that's going to still translate well and carry over post-COVID. Yeah, this isn't a COVID problem, right? I'm a big believer in multiple income streams or revenue streams Mm -hmm. for anyone. You won't find a single millionaire out there with a single revenue stream because diversification is an important part of of scalability and sustainability. And, And when you're building a business, you're focused usually on one, but this is an opportunity for everyone to build a second or even a third revenue stream. Ideally, one that is slightly different than the one that you currently have so that if one thing goes down, you've got this other, right? So mm-hmm. not, not just a COVID lesson, it's a recession lesson, it's a depression lesson, it's a market shift lesson, right? It, it really is just good, good general practice. It is. And the other thing is mentorship. I'm a real big advocate for mentorship. That's part of the reason why I came to Sarah and was like, we need to do SWIG because there was not enough representation and enough education and enough mentorship for bartenders in the mobile bar industry or for bartenders that wanted to start their own business. There just was nothing. So this is the time where if you see someone who's doing something a little different, why don't you ask them, hey, Right to have a conversation. Hey, can you show me that? This is the time for education, learning new things, or a certification. This is that time. So if you're saying, hey, I don't really want to pivot, however, because I'm not, I'm not hurting right now, I'm financially okay. This is a time to continue your education and build upon that. Because once people do start booking you again, that gives you the ability to charge maybe a little bit more because your skill set's a little higher. And that's why the how much would you charge question, that's why that just makes me grind my teeth, like literally, like just back molar is gone to dust, dude, gone to dust. (laughs) And the reason why is because what, I may charge, another person can't, may not be able to charge, but I've been doing this for 20 years and I have multiple certifications. I know it didn't look like it in SWIG. I look like, I look, I look like, a, like, like a banshee because I was running around. However, not this year, Rhonda. We are not I doing know. that this year. We are doing better. We are coming Full circle, babe, full circle. However, I have certifications in bourbon, tequila. I have done fine dining. I've done uh, fast, I've done like fast concept dining. I've done AM dining, which is a whole nother beast. Who knew? Who would have known? I am uh, with, I have a Ladam recipient. I am uh, USBG. I am done, worked with a number of nonprofits. Like, I've got skills, dude. So when I come to people with a certain monetary point, it's because I'm worth it. This is the time if you want to say, hey, I want to be able to charge a certain amount of money once once the bookings do come in, this is the time to shore up your resume. 
This is the time to get the certifications. This is the time to, to sharpen your skill set. You don't know garnish. This is the time for you to get some women's impressive. You don't know about modifiers, amaros, liqueurs. This is the time for you to practice and, and to get that together. Uh, it's just no reason because that all translates just like your degree for those who, ha- who have them. You were like, okay, I got my, my, my high school diploma. I got my AA. I got my bachelor's. I got my master's and I got my PhD. And every time you would get some additional letters, that was supposed to translate to more dollars. It's the same thing with your bar education. Amen. I think that's really important to remember, especially with the mobile bar community, because we do get a lot of people that come from all areas. And so not not all of our, our members are mobile or are bar in origin, right? Some people mm-hmm. have never slinged a drink, but they get into it for the other aspects of it. And, and to be fair, like making a Jack and Coke does not require training. Right. Like anybody can make a Jack and Coke. And if that's your brand and you're just like, hey, I mix and pour and that's it. Then that's cool. There's a there's a place in this industry for that. But if you want to charge more, if you want to kind of climb the scale a little bit higher so that you can charge more than the mix and pour, then demonstrate that value, right? If, if you have a tequila certification and you put together a fiesta package and you're like certified in tequila, we're going to have the best tequila drinks at your event ever. People who appreciate tequila will resonate with that. Mm-hmm. And the people that really truly understand like the value of having someone who really knows their shit and tequila, they're going to pay for that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think people fail to understand or fail to, to, to recognize that if you have a passion for the bar industry and you continue to learn and grow, you can turn that into dollars, but you have to tell people about it, right? You have to, you have to make sure you translate that knowledge into the product that you're offering. Don't keep that in your back pocket, list that in your about, make sure that you, when you're putting your packages together, you tell people as to why getting a tequila package from you is different than getting a tequila package from the person next door. Because people will pay for the confidence of knowing, well, the experience will be better with this person because they know what they're doing. You ever seen that commercial where it's the doctor? He was like, he's like, hey, they let me off probation. (laughs) And the the nurse is like, so what do you want to do about about this doctor? He's like, oh, we'll figure it out. Don't be that bartender. It was like, oh, we'll figure it out. You want someone who's competent, who knows what they're doing. And when, if you list all these things and they get a bid from Joe Smo, who's just like, yo, I got one package, here it is. Nine times out of 10, they're gonna take a second look at your offering. Right, yeah. Don't be afraid to tell people your qualifications. I mean, we are... I think for the most part, very humble beings. And we want to, we don't want to come off as being egotistical, but I can tell you that when I tell a bride, I've done over 200 weddings that resonates with them because a good portion of brides, that's the only wedding they're going to have in their lifetime. They don't necessarily want someone who's only had a handful. Now, if you don't, if you've only done a handful, then don't tell them that, that, you know, like, Tell them the other awesome things you've got going for you. Maybe you worked in the industry for 15 years before you started your mobile bar. Like you've got something to offer, but tell them what it is that you're offering. And if you Mm -hmm. have nothing to offer, as Rhonda said, now's the time. (laughs) Yeah. Now's time to get something to offer people. Take a course, learn something new. And if it's, if it's flair bartending that you've decided to learn, please take pictures and tag me because I will never be a flair bartender, but I am obsessed. Wow, too funny. I, I I just want to just tag me so I can see it. <laughs> I just want to I'll be like, good job. I will I will cheer you on. I will be your number one cheerleader. But no, I'm not gonna do it either. But that's the thing though, Sarah. Uh, we were talking about this. Flair bartending is like ultra premium. You can pretty much say, This is what I charge. And guess what? They're gonna pay it. Why? Because there's nobody else doing flair bartending. And it's fun to watch. And it's also entertainment and it's booze. It's like the best of all worlds. It really is. And there's fire most of the time. Well, yeah, there is. You're right. Most of the time. So no, this is the time where you can do so, so much. So if I had to kind of like sum it up, it would be think outside the box. 
for different revenue streams, collaborate and educate. Love it. That's the, that's the state of the union folks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but however, shameless plug, if you're into education, we have some great things cooking up for you for Sweet Culture 2021. If you haven't signed up to be on the uh, newsletter or the notification list, so go to www.sweetculture.com, sign up. Next year is going to be oh so good. So it's going to be full of education. If you haven't swung a drink ever, this is your opportunity. We're going to have uh, double the number of classes, double the number of educators. It's going to be as the kids say. What do the kids say, Sarah? Fuck if I know. Off the chain. Off the chain. Liddy. Liddy is way so off. I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be TikTokable. There you go. That's what the kids are doing. <laughs> oh, amazing. Yes. The, I, <laughs> It's going to be all of those things and so much more. And the one thing that we are really honing in on with Sweet Culture that is super exciting to me is that we, as far as I know, are the only industry conference for bar professionals that's focused entirely on building businesses. Correct. Say it again for the people in the back. People Sarah. in the back. Say it again. If you are in the bar industry and your goal is to make money and build a business, we are literally the only conference in existence that focuses on that sweet culture 2021 join us build your business make money hell yeah cheers to that (laughs) cheers to that i'll drink to that cheers (laughs) cheers and that wraps up today's episode i hope it was valuable i would love to hear from you what you thought you can drop me a line at hello at mobilebevpros.com or find me on Instagram at mobilebevpros. If you're looking for more valuable mobile bar related content, we have a website full of it. You can find us at www.mobilebevpros.com. And I'd love to see you in our Facebook community also by the name of, you guessed it, Mobile Bev Pros. Thank you for joining me today. And until next time, cheers. <laughs>